The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. Welcome to the Crossman Conversation, CEO edition, offering insights, wisdom, and counsel from the most respected CEOs. Here is the host of the Crossman Conversation, CEO edition, John Crossman. Hello, this is John Crossman. Welcome to the Crossman Conversation, the CEO edition. Back, my good friend and my business partner, Dr. Josh Harris, managing partner with the Lakemont Group and professor at Ford University. Thanks for being here, Dr. Harris. It is my pleasure. Great to see you, John. I say that, you know, my partner, you and I have done all kinds of crazy stuff together, and sometimes that's been real estate deals, and more often than not, it's been working with, with students. And so I wanted to open up with a topic today that I, I gear it towards a lot of times when I'm talking to students, and then I want to pull it really more into the conversation of uh, overall trends, and that's this. When I talk to students and I say, think about different areas of real estate, I typically talk about corporate and institutional and then there's a third one um, is family offices and corporate. I always define it as like that's the users of real estate. So, you know, McDonald's owns all these real real estate. It's for the purpose of using. And then when we think about institutional, it's just like J.P. Morgan, uh, you know, Merrill Lynch investing money instead of a stock portfolio into investing portfolio. They're looking for a return. And then I mentioned family offices because uh, they're looking for a return. And yet it's a kind of a different, you know, sometimes it's asset preservation versus asset growth, right? So even though people would say, well, isn't that an offshoot of institutional? It is. It's just like a unique sort of kind of thing that, we, you know, in my world right. we deal with. So um, let me just start with, on that. so with that as a framework, when you think about corporations and how they're looking at real estate today, what are your sort of core thoughts and advice? Like, so if somebody said, hey, I'm I'm a fast going, we talk, we've talked about Fazoli's, we like yep. to plug our friends at Fazoli's. Somebody that's ramping up and if they're only in real estate, what are, you, what are your thoughts and advice for them today? Well, you know, when we talk about corporate real estate, we're usually talking about real estate that's an asset that is in the betterment of the business, the core actual how that business makes money, which is you know, conceivably something that's not real estate. So we talk about retail, obviously, John, that's something, you know, you've had your career in, in you know, largely in retail real estate. I mean, literally the location, the address could be the largest determining success factor for that shop. And we can think about, boy, that was actually a good concept for maybe this restaurant or this business, but man, that was the wrong location and it's out of business, right? And we all probably know some restaurants or some shops that, you know, they're really not that good, but you know, they got that perfect corner location and they're just been around forever. So that's, I think retail is the most extreme case, but even in the office business, certainly even industrial, you know, if, if you ever, if you've never really thought about how Amazon uses a warehouse, right? I mean, that's incredibly important in real estate because, you know, what has to happen, I'm always amazed with this, I click buy on Amazon or any e-commerce site for that matter, and in a matter of a day, two days, this thing perfectly boxed, shipped, packaged, is sitting literally at my doorstep. It is actually a very important real estate that has to have that item there ready to go so that that person can pick it up. So the corporation, you know, really the cost of it, the rent, which is all we investors think about, now, you know, it's all, sometimes it's even a minor bit of an afterthought, right? Because it's part of a larger business plan. So the corporations out there, it's all about how do you get the right real estate to essentially power your business, right? And that is, that's what they're, that's what they stress about day in, day out. It's just funny too, Josh. And when I think about when you're saying there, it's also the sizing of the space, right? That's a big deal. Like if you ever go in a place and it's like so crazy busy, it's frustrating. That's oh, not yeah. good. It's a bad customer experience. Um, you know, at Publix, you know, is very mindful of this, like how many oh, cash yeah. registers are open, like that math. Or not having enough parking. Right, not having enough parking. Or it's the reverse. If you go in someplace and there are like tons of empty space, like that can be, you know, concerning. 
So that right mm-hmm. size, you know, you know, I've talked about this before that when I think about small shop space, I love 900 to 1500 square feet, 1800 square yep. feet, too big. It doesn't work as well. And so that, that corporate real estate, you're, you are so spot on the different dynamics, how important that is. And I guess the other thing too, is like if your corporation, you're growing and you own the asset, or if it's long-term leases, uh, what can you do with that asset right. on the back end? Right. Yeah. And you know, the, the Sears Saratosh thing, which, you know, in concept sounded great and was a hot thing for a minute. Right. Right. Um, people talking about it. Uh, but then it's been pretty tough because it's a lot more complicated than people think too. Oh yeah. Right. Oh yes. And what, what drives those complexities? Is that the cross access yeah. or what, what is it? Well, you know, in, especially when you talk about large boxes and when we talk about large box, I mean like literally a Sears or a Macy's, which are, I mean, double, triple the size of even our average grocery store. Right, right. The, the issue is that, well, anything that's large is going to be expensive, right? You have to have a lot of employees. You're going to have to have a lot of lighting, heating, air conditioning. You just kind of think that through. To ever redevelop it is you're going to have to, well, sometimes you have to deal with the city. There's these things called zoning rules. And, you know, well, I think it'd be a great site for apartments. Well, the city thinks it's only allowed to be a retail center, right? So you have to convince maybe a mayor, city council, et cetera. Then you got to have the physical physical problem of demolishing a building. That's probably the easiest. But then there's all these crazy leaseling. I think you mentioned easements and cross access. Well, everybody involved in that mall or those sites has a say in this, and they may all. I, mean, I, I was act, it's funny. I had a discussion about this recently with a mutual friend, and you know, I said, "Oh, yeah, we were talking about a potential mall redevelopment site." And um, well, for one of the anchors, said, "Well, you know, I think all the tenants, or at least all the other major tenants, would have to sign off and agree to it." Well, trying to get like 12 people that are competitors with each other right. to agree on something. Yeah. I mean, so suddenly all dealing with all those families, right, that have challenges, that seems a lot easier, candidly. Well, you know, when uh, I've got a friend of mine, uh, Barney McCauley, and my good buddy, and, and Barney's always good for advice in general in my life, but he also is really good when it comes to malls, right? right. He's my mall guy. And I've uh, I've sold malls. I've uh, done consulting for malls. I've done all kinds of stuff. And yet, most of the time when mall deals come my way, I can't figure them out. Right. They're so immensely complicated. And so when people go by and they just see a mall sitting there, like, why doesn't somebody do something about that? You have no idea the insane it's, complexity of those deals. I've seen some successful ones actually out in California where it, really, if you looked at the location, the, the, the value of the location kind of overpowered the problems. And that's sort of the issue that you have to have enough, call it density to solve, um, essentially create value. And I wouldn't say out of thin air, but you you know, there's just places like this ball clearly should be something a lot better. So you'll get these large institutional or other investors like we're going to put millions and millions of dollars. No one could take five, 10 years to get it to come back. A lot of investors don't have that power. So what you often see, I can't remember. There was one up in Tennessee. I'll never forget. You remember the exact mall where they literally took the entire, I believe, second floor and turned it into all medical, basically medical treatment facility. Mm-hmm. But they left the bottom floor as a fully operating mall with shops. And the you think about people are coming to have treatments or see doctors or you got family members, there's someone's go, something's going on there, and then they can go down, get something in the food court, pop into the stores and spend some money. So, I, But that didn't require a lot of, you know, they didn't really, it looks like a mall, except that now instead of shops, they've turned it into medical. And the reason why they t- probably did that is that was fastest and easiest. And obviously there's there was a demand Sometimes for medical, it right? Yeah, it, it, it actually worked because of simplicity. Well, let's go back. So we were talking about um, corporate, right? And so a lot of what you're trying to get across is like, you have to have a real solid strategy to yep. it. And you have to think about worst case scenarios. And to your point, like and if you're a mall or even if you're in a power center, or even a mixed use town center, 
knowing about your neighbors and knowing what your options are. That's a big deal. Oh yeah. And so that's in that corporate world. Moving over on the institutional side, you know, people looking to invest in real estate today. And, I, and when I say that, I'm talking about the big guys. I'm talking right. about big, big dudes. Yep. What would you, if you had a, you know, BlackRock, Naveen, Clarion, th- those names in front of you, what would you be telling them to sort of be thinking about? So in that in that world, and obviously for the for the benefit of the of the listener, they're in the business of managing real estate. So they're essentially a third party service provider who is taking money in, entrusted to them to invest it to generate more money, usually for steady returns. I think in today's world, where obviously interest rates are higher, you know, somewhat thinking very, I would say, think proactively. Don't wait for problems to come. Start to maneuver your space. Start getting prepared. Plan ahead because if you're going to get outsized returns, if you're going to really be the savvy investor that your clients and investors have entrusted them with you to be, I would not be waiting for the market cycle to come to you. I'd be looking for how to basically profit from the current conditions. And you know, sometimes that makes includes making painful decisions about um, putting money in to try to, you know, restore a building or other things like that. Well, yeah. Or if it's time to sell, right? Absolutely. And so you have to like uh, really be on top of it and then really... Man, you got to go look at assets, right? You got to yep. get out there and like physically look at them. You talked earlier about it, like a on the corporate side being a great use, but in the wrong location. Mm-hmm. Man, on the on the opposite the institutional, you got to walk the properties, man. I got to say, and this is something you know, this probably in my head. I'm thinking of an example, but I'm not going to name names on the air. But you know, your strategy that may have worked great for the past ten years may not be the great strategy for the next ten years. And part of being an institutional investor is kind of knowing well, I got to rotate out of this and rotate into that. And sometimes that means, you know, uh, slaughtering the sacred cows. Sometimes they say, right, you may have to say, yeah, that was a great decision in 2015, but that's not now. So now we have to take a new tact. And that is some, that's, I, that's, I think what, what defines the better investment managers over the Listen, ones. And isn't that true in churches and academia and 100%. hospitals? It's like, it's trying to like really respect tradition. Right. Uh, but if tradition's trumping, you know, vision, (laughs) you know, uh, having it not be overly held to the past is it's a big deal. It's a big deal. I want to, um, we're gonna take a break in a minute and I really want us to come back. We're going to do a little bit deep dive on the, on the subset of, you know, family offices and what that looks like. Um, but I really appreciate the overall guidance. And I think that again, to, again, the honor listeners understanding what the different buckets are and always really trying to understand what's the motivation of why someone's spending money, right? Absolutely. You know, sometimes the best buyer is a user. Sometimes the best buyer Mm -hmm. is an institution you really got to understand who is it you're dealing business with and what's the motivation for what they're trying to do. I, I have sometimes people, you know, ask us about selling a property and they're like, oh my gosh, this is a great offer. Well, not to us, right? Because mm-hmm. we're not motivated the same right. way. All right, Josh, we're going to take a quick break and uh, be back with uh, Dr. Josh Harris, Managing Director of Lake Monk Group and also Professor at Fordham University. Managing a team that has a lack of accountability and effective communication can be frustrating. Bill Roto-Rooter can help you build a cohesive team and a collaborative work environment. As a retired commander of the Navy's premier training system and research development organization, Roto has the experience to help you build trust and a high-performing team as you navigate high-pressure situations. To schedule a complimentary call with Roto, go to rotospeaks.com and complete the form and put the Crossman conversation in the message field. Here's a call to those who want to make an impact on their company, 
their community, or who possess a desire to make the world a better place. Crossman Career Builders provides the tools and resources for you or your company to make a difference on some of the toughest issues that we all face. Crossman Career Builders partners with CEOs, politicians, and pastors seeking to address problems of racism, mental health, addiction, justice, and suicide. CrossmanCB.com. At JLL, we are reshaping the future of real estate for a better world. For over 250 years, our firm has remained committed to offering trusted and innovative solutions in commercial real estate leasing, management, investment strategies, and technology. JLL.com. See a brighter way. Once again, here's John Crossman. All right, we are back here with Dr. Josh Harris. Josh, thanks for being here. It's a pleasure. Thanks for being my friend. You're a good dude, and I appreciate it. We're going to talk, we talked a little bit about corporate and what that looks like and institutional now, uh, family offices. Now, you have um, family businesses, and there's like tons of that. That's of a common thing. And then you go move into a family office. What Tell the difference between those two. Right. So we, obviously we, we first, in some ways, institutional corporate is pretty easy to define or easier when you get into family or some, I've seen some groups call it private client, which is kind of a generic catch-all. You know, you could mean everything from the traditional mom and pop who happens to own like a, a small retail center or, or any other, or an apartment complex to what's a full family office. And what I, what's typically meant by that, and again, because all families are different, they have different meanings, is where you almost have it a professional, institutional, styled management office that literally has professional managers or asset managers on salary working on behalf of a family. But rather than, you know, doing it for, well, anybody who walks in the door at, say, a JP Morgan, like one of those shops, are doing it just for the name of the family or just or maybe a couple families and associated groups purely for their own private pleasure. Gotcha. Mike, it's funny, um, just to give insight, and I, I'm not trying to pick on you, Mike. I, oh, I, no, you know, no, that's okay. Um, but, you know, when you think about this, a lot of times a, a young MBA, like like if we were, we were all 30-year-olds with their MBAs, what would be our dream? A lot of them, their dream is let's open a company, let's work 80 hours a week, and in 10 years we sell the company and we all make millions of dollars. Uh, like retire that, and go to Europe. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So that's that. there's that channel, what you do. And then visualize in a different channel, uh, a husband and wife that opens up a little business and they just love it, right? They start with an Etsy business that grows or they like open up a music shop, right? Mm-hmm. They teach music or it's mm-hmm. a, it's a yeah. restaurant, right? Like, and there's tons and tons of that, right? Well, what happens in that scenario when it catches fire in a way maybe that nobody was intending, mm-hmm. right? And so the, I make this as a joke, but I, you know, tell it's like, you know, what if uh, my book, Career Killers, Career Builders, got opted for a movie, right? And, yeah. then, and then became a TV show and then became, and you're I, like, oh my gosh. We have to cast Tom Cruise as far <laughs> as Cruise. I think that would be a good no, cast. No, listen, if yeah. that, I, I'm glad you brought this up. This is an important point. If they ever make a movie about me, I want Wesley Snipes as John Crossman. That, that I've always, I've already decided I would, that. I'd I, watch that. I, right? <laughs> totally watch it. I want him to do it as Blade as John Crossman. But in that, <laughs> but in that scenario, play that, play that out. If all of a sudden there's these millions and millions of dollars coming in, and then I pass away, and then my two daughters, who are doing different careers, all of a sudden are like, wait a minute, there's all this money coming in. And it's not only is the money coming in, it's reoccurring money, mm-hmm. right? Right. And so then what do you do, right? And yep. how, do, how does that work? And that's very different than the NBA guys. You know, the NBA guys are saying, ramp, 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 grow, 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 sell, <laughs> right? Right. Whereas the, the family business is, you know, maybe they're going to uh, leave it. Maybe they're going to sell it. Maybe they just close shop at the end of the day. You know, right. like that happens all the time. Like, hey, 
it was a 40-year run. We, we fed our families, and we have a, a IRA now, and, and we're retiring. That happens. But in this other one, there's a bigger generational component. And so the family office need right. is not the same as others, right? That's correct. And well, you know, the motivation of a family in the most common one is generally multi-generational pre- preservation and or growth of wealth, right? So they right. presume that their family will, there'll be children that'll, that'll move on. And then those children will have children who will have children. And the generally from the founding, um, whomever that, that founding family member who sets it up, they want there to be a level of protection, wealth, and sort of pass along, um, their, their legacy. And then there's also charitable givings and, you know, and foundations yeah. are, you know, a foundation is often a, a, a charity or is often a family office that's been put into another, I think the Dr. Phillips charities here in Orlando, if you ever, if you've, um, I mean, you can read on their website, their whole story, but it basically was a family that wanted to put their money for in perpetuity to benefiting all these things in central Florida. Right? right. So, but their whole goal is multi-generational where, you know, the corporate institutional, they usually have more, Hey, look, we got to make our numbers this week. We got to, this fund is a seven year fund. So when the minute you have kind of a life multi-generational lifetime, you're going to make different decisions. And I think right. I always interesting when I interact with different family offices or real holdings, it's like, yeah, we've had that for a hundred years, 20 years. We don't, we don't even not, I don't even know. It's something funny because they're not even, they're not thinking about how do I optimize this over a 10 year cycle? They're thinking about, well, we're going to own this forever. And it, it actually changes the whole um, thought process. Well, think about this. It's like, as we go back through this, you know, I remember doing a, a radio interview with a executive from Publix real estate and we had, we had questions coming in. All right. Mm-hmm. And then people kept saying, why don't you open in California? Like, why don't you open in Washington? <laughs> you know, you know, Washington, like West coast. Washington. And, you know, we didn't get into it on the air, but the problem is it's like, dude, there's no infrastructure right. that makes no sense. There's culture, you know, how, how do you even get there? And then I have been around students that are, you know, do Q&A with, you know, real estate and like that. And they're like, why don't you just put debt on everything? Why don't you put debt on anything? <laughs> if you put debt on everything, then you'd have all this cash and then you could grow, 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 grow. That's such an MBA student. Right, 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 right. <laughs> But they don't understand. They they've not been through a great recession or a great depression, which Publix has been through both, and so they don't understand those life lessons, right? So there's that. And then on the other side, it's like when you're talking about like a family office. Yeah, exactly. They're not trying to hit the home run right. today. Frankly, if you try to jam the home run down their throat, even if it isn't home run, they're still gonna be like, yeah, pause. Right. Right. So those different dynamics, I think, I think there's some people been in our industry a long time that still doesn't quite get all that. I, right. I remember an, as a student, when I was an MBA student talking to a group and they were, I said, well, when are you going to sell? Cause you could recap or do, you know, I'm thinking like all my things I'm taught. He says, we never sell Josh. We never sell. I was like, oh, and I was confused candidly. Now I'm older, a little bit wiser. Totally get it now. You know, it's funny too. I, um, I can't tell me times I've heard we'll never sell and then they do sell. Oh. <laughs> like, like, I've seen that. I've seen that too, where you're like, wait a minute, you said never sell. But again, life happens, right? Yep. Like life happens. I mean, opportunities yep. come up. Sometimes people have lifestyle changes, people people, well, you know, get divorced well, or they isn't that whatever, where yeah. and we do as talks about doing consulting, sometimes it takes um an enlightened outsider to point out, you know, this is actually, you need to sell. This is actually, if you want to fulfill the family mission, if you really want to maximize what your actual goals and operational strategy was, you need to make these moves in your portfolio to hit that. And they're like, oh, you know what? You're right. Maybe we need to think a little bit more like those Wall Street guys. Maybe they know something we don't. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, well, Josh, thanks for talking to me about this. So corporate, institutional, 
family office, we could keep going, right? Yep. Like we could go into international <laughs> and we could go into all different other kind of crazy things. But I just wanted to do the interval arc in that. And I, and I do think, you know, uh, as people are thinking about this, there's people like you who are mm-hmm. consultants, uh, and lots of really good quality people that you and I both know right. that we can recommend to people, but making sure you're taking pause. And I think this is a good time of year to be thinking about next year. Absolutely. And trying to think through what are we doing next year and how to do it. So anyway, Dr. Josh Harris, thanks as always for being a guest here with us on the Crossbone Conversation, the CEO edition. We're going to take a quick break and be back for a final segment. Crossmock Services is a commercial real estate firm offering a wide range of professional services, including advisory, brokerage and leasing, investing, and property management. Our staff comprises the industry's most seasoned professionals who possess the needed knowledge in real estate investments, analysis, and portfolio management to drive growth. See how Crossmark can work for you. That's CrossmarkServices.com. At JLL, we are reshaping the future of real estate for a better world. For over 250 years, our firm has remained committed to offering trusted and innovative solutions in commercial real estate leasing, management, investment strategies, and technology. JLL.com. See a brighter way. As the largest property tax practice in North America, Ryan's professionals possess the local footprint and knowledge backed by a team with national expertise to help organizations minimize their property tax liabilities and ensure valuations are fair and accurate. With the Florida tax appeal deadlines approaching rapidly, local experts at Ryan work proactively with many jurisdictions across Florida well in advance of the August trim notice mailing to ensure our clients receive maximum tax savings. Guys, I use Ryan, and I hope you will too. Once again, here's John Crossman. All right, we're back here at the Crossman Conversation CEO Edition. Mike, uh, always like hearing from Dr. Josh Harris, right? I really do. I enjoy it. I get to be that little fly on the wall. And, well, it, uh, it is an interesting to think about different reasons for buying real estate. Yeah. You know, right. I, one of my jokes is, and I used to say this to my family, when my kids were younger, we'd drive in some way, some one of the, and somebody in the car would say, you know, they should, you know, fix that. Who's mm-hmm. they? I'd always say, like, who's they? And when people look at other people's real estate and say they should do this, they should do that, well, you don't know what their what their business model is, right? That's right. I was uh, I was in a save a lot the other day, and one of the things I was noticing about how everything is still on the pallets. You know, like when you go into Publix, there's no pallets. You ever see a pallet, right? Yeah. They they carry it in on a dolly and they take it up on the shelves and then put it Stock away. Stock it away, man. It's, it's totally stocked. Mm-hmm. And at save a lot, man, it's like the forklift goes boink 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 and then it moves out, right? And so or wherever they're using to get that in and out of there. And the point being is like, hey, they they have lower margins, they pay lower rent, they you know, everything's at a different scale, and that's why they're doing what they're doing. Right. And so uh, you gotta understand that whether you're doing a real estate deal, you're buying, you're selling, you're investing, what's the other groups around you and what's their motivation? Right. Right. You know, I think of uh, Costco and the impact that a company like that had years ago with that very thing. I mean, they're not only leaving it on the pallet in many kinds. Uh, they also have it like in warehouse where you have to have a forklift to, to <laughs> you, go up and even get the next the level of stock down. Yeah, to get the watermelon or whatever you yeah. need. Oh, right. man. Well, but again, I was like when, when retailers know who their customer is and the customer knows who they are. Yeah. You know, I always think about like Cash and Carry and Sweet Bay and, I, and, and even Lucky's. I was always like, who am I your customer? Somebody, like it, it didn't match, right? Where when I say thing names like Publix and I say Target and when I say 
save a lot. Like there's clarity, like who they're going after, who they're not. Right. Yeah. And so that understanding is really key. Yeah. And then that's got to match into that, that real estate strategy of what they're trying to do. Yep. You know? I, I tell you, man, I, I wonder about the strategy for uh, this coming winter. We're so much talk right now about returning to COVID type protocols and stuff like that. What do you see that weighing in on? This? You know, I, I mean, well, first, I'm glad I live in Florida for, yes. <laughs> for many reasons, <laughs> for many, many reasons. You know, I look, uh, I really feel strongly that things in the past we need to reflect on and have honest conversations about what worked and what didn't work. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know that part of my belief in retail real estate is for the promotion of mental health. You know, that human contact, human interaction is so absolutely key. So I'm just going to be in a space where, of course, I want to be safe. You right. know, like, sure. I, I, obviously, that that's, goes without saying. And I want to be thoughtful about overall health and things like that. You know, great retail is integrated within communities. And yeah. uh, let's make sure that we have good... Um, relationships with all different kind of people are doing business with. I love it. When you two guys get together, the the next generation is usually brought up in some way. Yeah. You have a heart for young people in yes. real estate and that's really great. Well, that's, that's the audience Josh and I are talking to. We, we want to do things that are help pouring into them. And so they have resources. So that's the context. And of course, other people hear it and, and hopefully would benefit it from well. Right. Uh, but but that's what we're trying to do. So Mike, as always, thanks, man. Appreciate you got it. it, my friend. This is Across from Conversation, the CEO edition. Until next time. This has been the Crossman Conversation CEO Edition with your host, John Crossman. Tune in next week for another talk with an experienced CEO that will help bring clarity to your business endeavors. The preceding was a Mark Radio production.